0: In a world of complex and overwhelming challenges, the Inspirational Insights Podcast provides a shift in perspective. Dive into the minds of brilliant thinkers, creatives, and edge-riding leaders who have adapted their thinking and leadership practices to match today's perplexing challenges. Your host, Donna Jones, leads captivating conversations with trailblazers from diverse fields who have transcended tough and complex conditions to contribute to a healthier world. Can we collectively break old habits to reinvent the human-work-Earth relationship and support the vitality and diversity of all life, harnessing agility, embracing possibilities? Welcome to The Journey.
1: Systems theorist Irvin Laszlo's practical definition describes consciousness as the determining factor of how we see the world, who we are, what the world is, and what we can do in the world, what's possible. The mindset, the totality of preassumptions, assumptions assumptions, intuitions, and information about the world, each other, the possibilities, the dangers, and the opportunities. I believe that 2024 will see a shift in consciousness accompanied by A hefty dose of compassion, I hope. A huge part of that is informed by signals and cues, which is part of every person's sensory capacity. Every single person has a sensing capacity to a greater or a lesser degree, and it's particularly useful in navigating complexity. You're listening to the Inspirational Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Jones. This podcast started in 2016, and here we are in 2024. Very exciting. This episode, Curtis Michelson, who is an incredible thinker, great friend, wonderful person. He's been watching the signals in the innovation space that tell us what's emerging, what's popping up through the very nature itself of complex systems and by really scanning a pretty broad horizon. I met Curtis Michelson through the network science community, the ONA Amigos, as we have nicknamed ourselves, and also through the Agile community. I'd like to turn now to Curtis to ask, what do you see ahead in the innovation space? What's coming up in 2024? I'm
0: going to just walk around the mental map here of enterprise innovation, what I see some corporates doing and also running away from. And I'm looking at social innovation, future of work type stuff that we own Amigos care a lot about and also looking at what some startups are doing and then the open innovation movement which i'm a big fan of and maybe some gov innovation too how about that i love it all right i don't like predictions i'm more hanging in the futurist world we have emergent scenarios possibilities right based on signals little things we're seeing so here's what i'm seeing um the corporate landscape has pulled back when there was a kind of era of free money and money was cheap there was a lot of moonshots, crazy risk-taking, or what was perceived as crazy risk-taking. Right now, it seems like a lot of that is pulling back. People are moving in the enterprise innovation to what we would call Horizon 1 innovation, to use the old McKinsey concept, three horizons. Horizon 1 is really near in profit-taking, just exploiting the existing business model, making it 10x more efficient. So even though AI is very hot and very sexy, what they're applying it to is, how can we make our call center cost us half or 10x less. H1 innovation is really where a lot of people have retreated for now to safety. Um, generative AI, as amazing as is, and how come any of us escaped it, the interesting figure I saw, and this was a study done by Tom Davenport out of Babson College last fall, interviewed 300 corporate chief data officers, and striking that 6% have put things in motion, in production, gen AI-powered use cases. But 80% of the developers and the data science teams are all testing and experimenting with it. So we're going to see a Cambrian explosion this year. No question that OpenAI has just created this quote-unquote app store. If you've seen custom GPTs, we're just at the beginning of a huge S-curve. I do track the work of Azim Azar. I like his exponential view. I would recommend that as one of the sources of inspiration for tracking the amazing exponential tech that's changing our lives and our cultures workplaces. So this S curve of adoption, which always happens with technology is going to be on a kind of exponential tear this year. And I would say just the cautionary note around Gen AI is exemplified by the New York Times suing Open AI, And we're going to see more of that. There's going to be a pushback from publishers, writers, content creators, because this beast, these LLMs were trained on someone else's IP. That's a reckoning still coming. Corporates are also afraid of data leakage. They upload private documents and somehow someone extracts them out. So there's a lot of risk factors around Gen AI, but corporates cannot resist it. They're like cats after a string. They're going to play with that stuff. And so there's going to be tons of activity and in enterprise innovation around generative AI, et cetera. But on the social side, what I'm really looking at is future of work. It's something you and I both love and care about. We've been in the agile world for periods of time org design. Some of the events that I think are excellent would be the ONA Summit from our friends at Maven7 and OrgMapper. Coming next week is New Rules for Work, also known as NR4W. And I looked at some of the speakers. It's the Keith McCandlesses, Liberating Structures folks, the Meeting Innovation World, Elise Keith, who would be great to have on your podcast this year. I would recommend maybe get her on. She's She hosts or curates the Meeting Innovation Community online innovating meetings, like future of meetings. I love how specific their work is. I'm also hanging with a community called Agitare, uh, run by Ethan Eagle and Dan Halter. They're actually connected to the U.S. Air Force. They've created a Slack and a space for people that are into facilitation and future of work, and we share ideas and resources. I always give a nod to my Agitare friends. To go back to AI, I think we're going to now see the smarter application of generative AI to collective intelligence gathering. What we used to call wisdom of crowds, social media had so much promise, and look what happened—became <laughs> a cesspool, and re- and so forth. But we have a new way to harness the best of human intelligence in organizations. I think the work of people like Lewis Rosenberg, who created unanimous AI, he's not one of those Silicon Valley fast trackers who believes in move fast and break things. He was funded by the National Science Foundation, in the U.S. He has been thoughtfully moving along in gaming, collaborative conversations, and now applying AI to that. And I think his work is a smarter, better way to do it. So we can do sense-making and decisioning at scale with thousands, tens of thousands. You and I love open space tech, right? This would be open space on steroids and maybe mushrooms and other substances. It's looking... I have high hopes for his approach. So I would recommend looking at Thinkscape, his new tool and unanimous AI. So I think that's coming very soon, faster than we realize. In the startup world, like the era of free money's over. Venture capital dried up. You're not going to see what we saw with all these seed A's, seed, seed rounds, B, C. It's just not going to be there. That money's dried up. But there are exceptions. And the people that are getting funding, of course, have two letters attached. It's AI. So the, as they say, in a gold rush, sell shovels. If you have a tool that helps people do AI, you're in a good place right now. You will get funding. The other sectors are biotech and security. Defense, honestly, there's a lot going on there, but biotech, there's been an explosion with CRISPR and the gene editing and personalized medicine. There's a lot of money still going that direction. And frankly, a lot of talk, and you've probably seen it too, around extending life, health span, not lifespan, but health span. What do we have? The boomer generation. Boomers do not want to die, they're determined to live forever. That means they have a lot of money to spend on this problem. So we are going to see tons of work in that area. Another trend that I'm seeing is since you don't get the kind of big seed rounds, it's going to force startups to do what's called profit sharing. This is going to be a big trend. It's equity. You get a piece of the pie in the past. Now you're going to get a piece of profit, which means the incentive for the startup is to create revenue sooner, to not just get a bunch of money. Throw a bunch of lavish Silicon Valley parties, and maybe we'll make revenue a few years. Who knows? But like real revenue early, and share that immediately, so you get profit sharing. That's a trend I think that Crunchbase and others have noticed, and I think makes a lot of sense. Open innovation, which is a big, a big space of, close to my heart, and connected to the open space movement and things like that. Kickbox is going in 2.0. Do you remember the Kickbox was created at Adobe? It was one of the most successful enterprise innovation programs. Many companies picked. It was released open source. It was community commons, which I really appreciated Adobe doing that. Some folks in Switzerland called R-Ready have, I don't mean to make this a plug, but I think that what they're doing is really nice, a virtualized version, a much more scalable version of Kickbox. So open innovation, creating big challenges and bringing lots of people to the table around big challenges, wherever they are. And to go back to boomeritis and never wanting to die the ARP, which is the largest senior association in the US, maybe there's a Canadian equivalent, but ARP has created the Age Tech Collaborative. It's a place for corporates, senior citizens, startups, technologists. They're all converging and swarming on this big growing challenge of later life care, health care, et cetera. And I think those kind of open innovation spaces are sweet and I'm seeing more and more of So I love that. And I think there's opportunities for applying network science here. We both care a lot about network science. And I think the health of open innovation can be visualized via networks. I would say to Sylvia, our friend Sylvia Ferasco of OrgMapper Academy, I would recommend that put that in her portfolio of many things she does this year. Sylvia and I are big fans of, of combining network science and innovation. On the gov social side, government, I love the work of the Office of Public Sector Innovation. It's an OECD subgroup. They're always cooking up amazing stuff. They're releasing studies showing where government innovation is happening. Yes, it's not an oxymoron. It really can happen. And this year, they're launching Gov2Gov, the number 2 Gov. And it's going to be a matching platform for government challenge makers, people who say, hey, we've got this major challenge, maybe serving our municipal citizens in new ways or whatever the challenges they're putting out there. And the solution providers and matching them and getting them together. Like an age tech collaborative, what I was just saying, but this is particularly in the gov space, which I like, because man, do we need some government innovation. We need to reimagine public sector more than ever. So I think gov to gov is one I would be watching this year. Uh, in terms of general innovation trends, things that I'm interested in and I think are going to be um, useful and should be used more, I think design fiction, the work, of the near future laboratory. I love all the futurist folks, whether it's Amy Webb or IFTF, the Institute for the Future. What I'm really seeing are these combining open innovation with futures work. The work of Near Future Laboratory is wonderful. Julian Bleeker out of LA has put that together. It's a wonderful global community, and we're creating design fictions, which are essentially lusciously rendered, graphically illustrated future stories that paint very vivid, possible scenarios that are unfolding. We're familiar with scenario development. We've done that in the past, but I think this adds a beautiful layer of what we have to offer as humans, which is the storytelling. Design fiction is great. And another group that's in that space is Radar. And they're a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. I just phoned with their executive director who goes by the handle Fancy. That's all he will say. When you talk to Fancy, it's just a purple emanating blob. You don't know whether Fancy's an agent, a bot, or a human. I think he is human. He has a great British accent and he's intentionally staying incognito because he wants the network to build and not be oriented around him. And so the people are coming together in a very decentralized way. They're sharing the profits. Again, going to profit sharing as a theme. They've been exchanging coin, a blockchain coin called Signal. It's like a big tip jar. We give each other tips when we post signals, and I just think it's great. I think they're going to grow a lot this year, and we're going to share those profits together and grow. Another trend I love is biomimicry and what does nature have to teach us in innovation? There's a beautiful series of conversations coming on the Biomimicry Institute's website around, of all things, slime molds. These 500 million year old creatures, Donna, that may be more intelligent than us. The big question it raises for me is how can something with no neurons, literally not a brain, a single cell, exhibit so much network intelligence? It's amazing. I'm so looking forward to watching and reading Katie's blog over the next few weeks. Have you come across plasmoidal slime molds? I remember the topic from biology and I thought, this is gross. Next topic.
1: (laughs) I actually did come across some of that slime mold information quite a while back, and I was intrigued by it because we have a tendency to not be humble as a species, and here we've got this humble little creature that's just smoking us with that kind of intelligence.
0: Yes, yes, very cool. So that's an example of biomimicry. and What can we learn from something like a slime mold? Another trend is micro-value props. So we're going to see things in the large, like large language models, but we're going to see things in the small. AI will also make possible hyper-personalized businesses. Imagine a restaurant might be like a pop-up with a world-class chef for just two people and then it goes away and then it can be created again and all kinds of micro-experiences. This will be expensive. There will be buyers for this, but this will, as all technologies, eventually democratize. We know the trend of mass personalization has been coming for a while, but I think this is hyper-mass personalized. We're going to see a lot of interesting unique things there. That will, of course, lead to the macroeconomic political picture, which is the continuing divide between hyper-wealthy and the rest of us. That's a big concern for me, another reason I want to see gov to gov and other open and social and government innovation happening. Something positive on that front is independent politics. I don't know about Canada, but I can say in the U.S., the largest constituency of voters now are registered independents. It's no longer the two major parties in the States, Democrat and Republican. Um, It's interesting that in the U.S. right now, the independent candidate, RFK Jr., is a statistical dead heat with the two major. This is very unusual, but I think it's a harbinger of things to come. More independent politics. People are tired of gridlock and traditional politics, so I'm watching that. A couple other things I'll close with. Green manufacturing, our firm, InfoDJ, we do fast scans for corporate clients. One of the things we kept seeing over and over last year, green manufacturing, circular business models, there's been a lot of startup funding in that too, $10 billion over the past few years. We were working in, with industrial sector clients like green pet food, sustainable pet food, waste stream innovation, circularity, 3D printing with green concrete made from hemp or whatever the material in your locality is. New modular home constructions, 3D printing of home and all this kind of stuff. This is beginning to see real commercial viability, which is very exciting. Real estate, everyone's worried about Oh, no, the future of hybrid has created a commercial real estate apocalypse. I think it's a great golden era time for real estate innovation. I think PropTech is poised to reuse all of these spaces that where we used to go sit through boring (laughs) meetings and and, uh, there's going to be vibrant new uses of commercial spaces integrated into smart cities. I'm very excited for where we can go with that kind of reinvention. So there's some areas that are interesting to me. What do you think?
1: I think it's a beautiful flyby. My gosh, there's plenty there for anybody listening to pluck out and do some deeper digging into it because you've just got such an incredible constellation of perspectives. Thanks. I'm glad to
0: share, if it would be helpful, a little document with some links to some of the places I mentioned and some of those resources.
1: That would be lovely. Yes, please. Let's do that. And I'll put that on the site or on the notes so people can download it. That'd be fantastic. Thanks, Curtis. You're welcome. Any Any other thoughts thoughts on music? music? Because Because what what people don't don't know (laughs) is that Curtis Curtis is also (laughs) a musician and everything Everything comes through the lens lens of music. music. So, So, Curtis, what have you got? He's a rush nerd. (laughs) Yeah, totally. There's (laughs) the poster in the back if you're watching video. video. Tell me what would be the theme theme song for 2024. 2024? Oh, that's a
0: good question for a DJ. I love it. I was actually facilitating a group, a gathering last night, and I asked the people that question. What would be our theme song? What's our jingle? Um, let me think. I would go with something has to evoke the potential and the possibility, but also the risks from the pop world. Who gives voice to that, Donna? Do you have? Any, you got any?
1: Not from the pop world, no. <laughs>
0: I'll think about that. Nothing comes to mind immediately, but it would have to embody just this incredible liminal moment we're in, this chance-taking moment where we've got a real opportunity. The doors are not closed on us yet, even with climate. I know it's pretty dark news out there, but I do see some beautiful signs that people are waking up. Whatever that song is, it's a wake-up song, and it's a joyful wake-up song.
1: If if you think of something, message me, and I'll (laughs) toss it in the show notes for everybody. (laughs) But meanwhile, it's a question for all the listeners to think of their own theme song this year. That resonates around what Curtis just laid out as the signals and signs of what's emerging this year. Fantastic. Do you share any places where, places where people can people go to see your work? Sure, we're working
0: on a new Curtis Michaelson website, but yet to be determined. Right now, you can go to infodj.io. That was a venture I created in 2022. We're currently being reinvented again. We started either at the best or worst possible time, just at the ChatGPT moment. Here we have a small community of researchers, classic librarians, and innovation nerds like myself. Along comes ChatGPT and. We thought we were moving fast, delivering 24-hour scans for our corporate clients. And now it's, can you do it in 24 seconds, please? (laughs) Because (laughs) ChatGPT is a lot faster than you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But I'm not sure it's got got the range of thinking that you bring. No,
0: it sure doesn't. You can see my theme is community and like radar. Validation never goes away. We need human fact-checking. There's a good media source I subscribe to called The Information, and they were having a podcast each week. They were talking about future of media. And I, I hate to think that it's only subscription-based media because the ad model has played out in very bad ways, mostly. You know, it's just clickbaits for our attention and how many times we can stimulate ad buys. That tilts news and information in very awkward, odd, bad directions. But there's even models emerging, like one out of the UK called Slow News, which I think is great. Again, it involves community. It's about stories. It's filling in the gap of where local news has fallen apart. The local news model has degraded. One other service I like, it's a subscription, not much, but it's worth all of us being informed, citizens, consumers of information. It's called Ground News. I came across it at the ALA, American Library Association, the big library conference each year. Last time it came around, I thought, wow, this is smart. What they do, Donna, is they look across the entire news landscape. And they produce what's called the blind spot report. And so for me, it says, Curtis, here's some stories from the right or the left or the middle that you probably didn't see. And they're usually quite. And they also tag with factuality. So is this a high factuality publication, medium or low factuality? It allows you to make better decisions as an information news consumer. And it typically pops my little bubble of my info bubble in a very good way. So I think services like Ground News are going to be extremely important as we come into the next generative AI-driven, hype-driven election cycles. We need to stay around it.
1: Now you're leading into something I wanted to ask you about, which is what do you see as being the challenge for high impact decision makers, CEOs, executive level decision makers, given all of what you've just laid out? What what is the the inherent inherent challenge challenge or opportunity?
0: Yes, they're expected (laughs) to move at incredibly fast speeds, make decisions much more quickly. But one thing that doesn't change as fast as the technology changes is we still move at the speed of human brains. What is the quote everybody's using these days? We have paleolithic brains and godlike powers. I'm missing one in the middle. But we have to still make decisions collectively as a group, as leadership teams, as C-suites. Uh, That's deliberation. The Amazon model is the three-pager. They actually force each other to sit down and read three pages on a strategic topic and then quietly listen to each other. I I think any leadership teams that are slowing down, slowing the pace, are going to be at an advantage. It's slow to go fast, so to speak. And don't just chase shiny objects. A friend of mine is just coming out with a book. I love his work. It's his seventh book, Stephen Shapiro. And the book is called Pivotal. And he says, it's so easy to chase shiny objects. He said, what will be pivotal in your strategy is what is genuinely you. So in a way, go back to what makes your organization core, what is unique to you, what is your core differentiation, and build on that to be pivotal. And I think that's an important message right now. It's too easy to chase the next shiny object and do fast-following strategies. That theme of going deep within your own core whether it's your people, your location, your geography, tap into those resources that are right there and make the best use of them. You'll find your growth there. So I think that's a pretty neat idea. Love it.
1: Love it. Any, any closing, closing thoughts? thoughts? Has any, any song, song popped up?
0: up? I want to say one more thing going back to Rush. I would recommend a book and it's Getty Lee's book. Getty Lee was one of the founders of the band Rush and I think you'll appreciate this as a Canadian. They were extremely successful. If people know broadly, Rush was around for 40, almost 50 years. Incredible journey. And what he details in this book is his story, which he calls My f-in Life. It starts in a pretty dark place. Chapter three is his family escaping Auschwitz. I didn't know wow. that he was raised at his grandparents' knees with the stories of Treblinka, and they literally lived the Holocaust. And so he was born Gershon Weinrimp and you learn how he became Getty Lee. It's a beautiful moving story and there's a lot about his family. You don't have to be a Rush head or a Canadian to appreciate it. It's a generally moving human story. And a cool thing is on the audible version, he narrates the book and he provides um, two songs at the end. If you're a musician doing a memoir and you got the audio version, why not drop in? So two unpublished songs that are beautiful, that fit the ending of the book, which of course ends with Neil Peart's passing the drummer of Rush how they're processing and there's many other passings along the way. Rock and roll, a lot of people the greats. They're moving on to a land. We're losing some of the greatest uh, of all time. So it's a very reflective book. It's a beautiful story. So I highly recommend Getty Lee's My F and Light. That's my final <laughs> word for the day.
1: That, that is a fantastic final word. Okay. Thank I gave Curtis not very much time to pull this together and bam, you just you nailed it. Thank you so much. Well
0: my pleasure, Donna.
1: The three themes that this podcast will be focusing on in the next year will be having decisions consider impact. There is currently a company that is pinging the surface of the Earth's crust looking for oil and gas deposits and at the same time having a negative impact on marine life. Not to mention seismic noise, which of course sits behind earthquakes and volcanoes. I believe we're going to need to take more expanded awareness, plugged into action, to do things differently so that we do not negatively impact the planet we live on. Secondly, learning from nature. Some of the most intelligent and highly sophisticated skills and technologies are embodied by nature. Complex systems do not respond well to very narrow and analytical lenses. Some of that conversation will happen in this program over the year. Thirdly, emotional health and personal transcendence. Where and how can we use the difficult challenges we've either been through or that we face collectively to become much better at working with uncertainty, to work with supply surprises and interruptions so that there's not a retraction and a contraction of thinking running on fear-driven decisions and become instead much more effective at working with uncertainty rather than running backwards to quickly get back to the familiar use that edge that just pushes past the comfort zone and the envelope to move into a deeper level of creativity and move through these tougher issues with greater strength if we had that consistently across the board we'd be well past horizon one innovation into something that's truly inspirational. Advance your own skill set moving forward. The vision I have for 2024 is to develop a higher level of self-efficacy, a capacity and confidence that you can use difficult situations and you always have the control because you're in control of yourself. You're not losing it. You're emotionally healthy and well. You can see ahead because you're tapped into your intuitive intelligence. There's so many different intelligences available that simply are being left on the sidelines on the bench at the moment. One of the first steps would be to convert a whole lot of fear into curiosity and less certainty and move into something that is much more exploratory, more curious, can hold the zone of the unfamiliar as a space for growth and as a space for maturation if it's on the emotional side. Also consciousness, self-actualization when all of your intelligence is working together, are stronger, clearer, more compassionate, and more capable of working with uncertainty as a real ally for inventing at whole new levels. So I want to thank you very much for the last year's support since this podcast began, but also going forward, because we have a lot, I think, that we can do. I love the Einstein quote, we must widen the circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures. I believe that is a call sign for this year's thinking. Expanded awareness. Don't believe everything you think. Apply curiosity. Ask questions your mind can't answer and go deeper into yourself because that's where the creative talent will be found. That's where the the deeper resources will be found that will power a positive, much more beneficial relationship and expanded benefit to the world. My name is Donna Jones. The resources Curtis mentioned is in the show notes and on my Substack newsletter, along with his choice of song. Please share this podcast program, drop something in the tips jar, or support it more consistently through a subscription. It's a very exciting year ahead, and I thank you for being a part of it.